Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for September 29th, 2021. Today's topic is management challenges in an at-home work environment. If you're listening, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. You can email me at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com any time of the day. And with that, I would like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Well, you know, one of the things that's going on now is a ton of management management challenges in uh, the work-at-home environment that the uh, pandemic has left us with. And so we have uh, an expert uh, to talk to about that, and he'll probably also veer off in other interesting directions for us. Uh, this is uh, Bob Kobeck, and uh, I'd like to just introduce Bob to you. He's actually been on Call Talk previously, but for anybody who uh, didn't hear him previously, I encourage you to listen to his uh, prior interviews with me on Call Talk. Uh, prior to forming Mobius Vendor Partners, which is his company, in October of 1999, uh, Bob spent more than 30 years in direct marketing uh, for industry and government. He's designed more than 150 outbound telemarketing, inbound customer service, and order processing operations. Uh, in 2007, Bob and Mobius launched Customer Count, a cloud-based survey solution, which provides intuitive, real-time reporting uh, it's designed for uh, the contact center industry. Bob is a member of the American Resort Development Association and sits on numerous committees. He's a longtime board member of PACE, the Professional Association for Customer Engagement, and he attended uh, Holy Cross College at Notre Dame, Go Irish uh, in Indiana, and Indiana University. Now, uh, Benchmark Portal, as many people know, has its roots at Purdue University, uh, but some, somehow Bob and I have been friends anyway. Uh, I've got to say that Notre Dame uh, crushed us on this year's matchup. Uh, Bob, I, uh, you haven't gloated about that too much, so I, I really appreciate that. Well, Bruce, there's one, one big reason, and that is because the Notre Dame-Purdue rivalry, which goes back to the, what, 40s, um, yep. maybe even earlier, is, A, one of the best rivalries in the history of college football, and the other is that it is probably one of the cleanest rivalry games either teams will play. They always both play up for each other. They both yeah. play, you know, better than they probably should. Um, but it's always <laughs> a clean game. I mean, it's just it's always a fun game to go to. And if it's in if it's in West Lafayette or South Bend, it's just it's just a, that's it's just such a great football tradition. So I'm not going to gloat, even you know. I remember one time when Bob Greasy just absolutely demolished the Irish. I know I'm going back a few years, but, you know, uh-huh. I, I appreciated my friends from Purdue not gloating over that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's one of the great cross-state rivalries. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, and you're a gentleman and, uh, you know, not to gloat, so thank you for that. Well, let, let's talk about this management challenges in a work-at-home environment. And I know that's something that you and I have talked about also on your podcast and that you have talked to many people about and thought deeply about. So uh, give us some of your thoughts on that, and uh, we'll take it from there. You know, Bruce, we, among other things, Mobius, thanks for the, for the lift about the customer count, the survey system, uh, because what's kind of 
key about that is that we also have an employee experience platform. So not only have we helped our clients move their agents to remote, to remote status, but we also then can continually measure how they're doing. Uh, you know, the, the, the technology today um, is so strong and so sophisticated that it actually, you know, measures the performance, and you can see performance going up and down, but you can't measure why, what's behind it. And so we have developed a platform to do that now so that we don't make this into too much of a commercial. One of the things I found when our clients called us and said, help us move to remote to remote status, remote location, some of those are the same clients that just two or three years ago were saying, over my dead body, will I do mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And what they're finding now is if they start to look at the bottom line and begin to and begin to uh, assess the the ROI, um, they can actually get more competitive in their pricing. And what what I I make a, a prediction here is that if this trend continues, it will help uh, U.S. call centers compete with offshore in pricing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I That's think interesting. This, I think I think this could be a job creator. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, let, let's just uh, peel that onion uh, uh, apart a little bit because uh, one of the things next week is uh, Customer Service Week, as you know, and we're yep. putting out a uh, video. One of the things that I'm noting is that uh, the technology for this at-home uh, work has not always been here. I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago didn't exist. Then there was a company called Willow that kind of started making things distributed a bit, and then it got better and better and better. Uh, with uh, cloud-based, and uh, so the capacity was actually in place when the pandemic hit. Uh, think for a minute if the pandemic had hit, you know, 10 or 15 years earlier, we would not have been nearly as prepared as an industry to respond to that. But because of uh, the capacity of today's technology uh, to be installed and to be pushed out very quickly, that, you know, we were able to do that. It's it's really pretty extraordinary to think about that. Well, and by quickly, Bruce, I'm talking about uh, tens of thousands of agents uh, went into remote status within weeks um, mm-hmm. of that pandemic, and that's because, yeah, the cloud-based, and particularly the cloud-based, but even the on-prem uh, premise uh, uh, technology, you know, was capable of, of pushing it out. Of course, the... The online stuff is always going to be, you know, stronger. And not only that, but it, you know, it, five years ago, uh, the 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 VoIP technology was not as good as it is today. The mm-hmm. quality, the quality of the of the voice, the, you know, the quality, the ability to manage and uh, manage that dialer uh, didn't exist as it does today, because mm-hmm. you know the call center technology companies they they continue to invest, which they need to because they also need to help the industry stay ahead of what's going on. Nobody predicted the pandemic, but everybody predicted TCPA, for instance. So all of that, all those things still had to apply, whether that agent was on site or remote. Right. Absolutely. And one of the other things that uh, I, I mentioned in this video we're doing for Customer Contact Week is that really our our industry has a lot to be proud of in terms of having opened its arms to a lot of people 
and uh, change their lives. So in terms of being uh, open to diversity, I mean, uh, our industry was employing people, uh, you know, uh, women and uh, immigrants and, um, you know, people from all backgrounds uh, a lot earlier than a lot of others and uh, served as a mode of social mobility. Specifically as it regards this at-home thing, we have been able to uh, really open arms to disabled people. And there are, you know, thousands and thousands of disabled people who are working uh, very happily and productively from home now that, uh, you know, the technology now allows for. And similarly, there are parents and also people who have old elderly parents who need to take care of them who can work from home. And actually, that started before the pandemic, right? And um, the, the, uh, the sort of the magic of that and the capability of that was recognized even more during the pandemic, I think. And so, as you said, uh, having the flexibility to, um, you know, do some things here in the United States uh, has been increased as a result of all this. Well, there's a, there's a huge, huge, huge underserved market uh, that is still available to our industry um, that, that our industry is still not taking advantage of, and because of the, the, of the technology and the ability to work remotely, is that we, we are not bringing in uh, the spouses of active military. If you think about active military, they're on a base for maybe two years. Can they get a job? Do they have a career path? Well, no, not really. So mm-hmm. the jobs that they're able to get are not the jobs that, that it may not even be enough to feed their family. Uh, and mm-hmm. if they have a family, they don't have the, the flexible hours that mm-hmm. uh, our contact center industry could offer them. So, so right. even even if you are 200 miles away from a military base, you can still recruit from on directly on that military base. And I would mm-hmm. also tell you that Michelle Obama and Joe Biden uh, that was uh, one of their big one of their really big initiatives that they pushed forward was getting tax breaks and tax advantages for hiring spouses of militaries, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. active military. Yeah. Actually, if I could just dovetail on that, and, and this goes back to research we did back when John Anton was with us here at, uh, at Benchmark Portal. And by the way, I just saw him yesterday. He's doing very well um, in retirement. But he, um, uh, you know, we, we discovered that by overlaying a uh, database of performance metrics of call centers with um, demographic database that came from uh, C.B. Richard Ellis, that there were, were certain characteristics of the best perform of the communities that had the best performing centers, and they were things like uh, they weren't in the center of cities, they weren't out in the middle of nowhere, they tend to be somewhere in between. They were. Uh, communities that had a community college, but not necessarily a four-year college there. A whole series of things. They had uh, fairly high unemployment rates, et cetera. One of the things that stuck out in terms of successful uh, places were places that had military installations nearby and employed military spouses. And so it's not just a nice thing to do. They actually are uh, key, you know, one of the ingredients for success of um of these centers. So what you're saying is absolutely right, you know, and, and well, uh, and there's and and because of the technology Bruce today, 
there's one more add-on to that advantage to that, and that is when the when the when the when the spouse's military tour is up, and they move back to Iowa or they move back to North Carolina, they take their job with them. They don't you don't necessarily lose them. So they so there is that career opportunity that you know this because they're working in. At, at Fort Hollibard, Maryland, doesn't mean that they can't keep their job when they move back home. That's a great point, and something that wasn't available back when we did the first original research. So you're, that's right. Yeah, absolutely, that, that's an excellent point. Yeah. So you minimize your turnover. Right. And after all, the one constant that's always been true in the contact center industry, no matter what your technology, minimizing turnover is always the goal. I mean that, and you know, of course, one call resolution. But that's a mm-hmm. that's a great stretch goal. But the but mm-hmm. the, you know, minimizing your turnover. You know, the most expensive chair in a call center is an empty chair. Yeah, and <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> you got that right. And, and so, why don't you go through the, some of the elements of how to minimize turnover? You know, starting from uh, the recruiting and going all the way through. That'd be kind of, uh, I think, really instructive. Well, when you think about recruiting, I mean, you have to ask yourself first. Ask yourself the question: How many people leave from the time that they have signed up and they come in and you train them, but they don't get on the phone? Mm-hmm. So right. it, you, you then have to break down. You have to really hardcore analyze how you're doing the recruiting. It goes, <laughs> you know, it goes back to, it goes back to. You know, it's, in a way, it's like buyer's remorse. Did you tell the absolute truth when you were recruiting? And you got to tell the absolute truth. The, the other, the other thing is, is that you've got to be able to promise them, and and you got to really deliver on this that you're going to seek their feedback all the way through the process. You're always going to be asking the questions. You know, how are you doing? Are you getting along with your supervisor? Are you, is your supervisor being helpful? Um, yeah. You know, the, the probably the, I mean, one of the things that, that is really, really, really prevalent today that, again, wasn't prevalent 10 years ago was the unplanned turnover. Today, uh, the latest study that we did showed that 60% of people that are employed today are looking for a new job. Six oh Wow. Um, that's a, and so we have this thing of, you know, preference employment now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, yeah, I know I'm working for you. That doesn't mean I prefer to be working for you, and that, so that doesn't mean I'm going to stay there. Right, right. Yeah, and, and just going back to the, uh, you know, who is it you're trying to attract and uh, screen to uh, get into the job to begin with, that's where, uh, you know, companies that really are trying to do better and better will do organized and sort of structured statistical studies of who they let in. So who are the people, you know, how did they do on personality tests, how they do on skills tests, all those kinds of screening things that they did, uh, language uh, capabilities, for instance, which, you know, there's some newer uh, opportunities to, to get good language skills testing. And, um, you know, to, to make sure that you're getting people in who are less likely to fail, uh, you're going to try to really hire for, uh, for success. And then, you know, what you're talking about is uh, being truthful on what it's all about. And uh, maybe you could just talk for a second about realistic job previews and how those can, can be really helpful in terms of, 
making sure you're getting the right people in, sitting them down. Well, the, you, 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 the days of if you can fog a mirror, you can get a phone. Um, are 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 you know those are those are kind of quickly passing because there aren't that many people that can fog a mirror anymore that want to fog a mirror you know and so you got to make sure that that's what causes you to need to be more careful about who you're going to bring in um Uh and and you know the 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 adage too bruce and this is one that i know you know uh how many times have you had to fire a top producer because because of the cancer that they can spread from everybody around them, and so the, another reason you got to be careful is you got to take you know find somebody that understands that if they're that good they're in a leadership position they're in a leadership role. The you know the number one probably the number one retention factor that you can offer, and it's hard to do in our industry, and that's career development. Mm-hmm. You you know yeah. you can go from being on the phone to being a supervisor. Well, it's like any factory. You know you only have so much inventory that you can produce. You got eight hours in a day or twelve hours in a day. You've got two shifts. You've got X number of hours. Period. And mm-hmm. you know you can't. You, there's nothing you can do about that. And mm-hmm. so you have to then make sure that in those hours you're more and more productive. And so then you got to make sure that you are that you are showing people how they can how they're going to grow now that may mean you're going to have to bring in some outside influences and that's one of the reasons by the way that gamification is such a uh, presents such a great opportunity in the call center industry because maybe I won't be a supervisor next week but I can you know I can I can beat the heck out of the rest of my team um in a in a contest that we're doing and get and be rewarded for it um, so, like, don't ignore gamification. Um, the other thing is that be mindful of the work-life balance for employees, that because you need somebody to be filling a chair on that second wave in your call center doesn't mean that you want to force somebody to work there because they may have kids at home. And you got to mm-hmm. be mindful of the fact that, you know, you, you, you want to try to place them in such a way that their work-life balance uh, isn't out of whack because that's another reason for turnover. Right, right. Yeah, and obviously the at-home model uh, offers more flexibility in terms of work-life balance. If you kind of put together uh, being able to work from home, and by the way, the first uh, Agent Voices report that we did showed that the most uh, satisfied people correlated statistically with the people who were at-home workers. They were the most satisfied. And in fact, the uh, one of the things to keep in mind when you're you're uh, doing a strategy toward attracting and recruiting people is that uh, the farther away, the farther people have to uh, commute, uh, the less likely they are to be satisfied. Now, it doesn't happen with every individual, you know, so you can't, but statistically speaking, those who have the shortest commutes or no commute tend to be the most satisfied, which is kind of interesting. Well, and so, during the pandemic, what we found too, Bruce, is that the the, uh, um, the 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 reverse of that started to become true too. The more time people mm-hmm. spent at home, mm-hmm. the more time the the more they got to thinking, I don't, I'm not going back to that office. Right. So that's that's where the preferences, you know, started yeah. to come in. That said, you know what, I, I 
I love my house. I love my family. I want to be here more often, and there's plenty of things I can do and plenty that I can do to work out of my house. I don't need to come back to that to that office, and that mm-hmm. has created a, a, the opposite challenge in the work-life balance. Right. Where they, right. they put and, and more more emphasis into their home life than their work life. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it does help, you know, when you are a manager saying, okay, we – have this uh, unexpected volume, and I need to, quote-unquote, call people in to cover, right? And it's one thing to have to call people in to have them get in their car, you know, get changed, get in their car, drive in, and all that kind of stuff. It's another thing to have them, you know, uh, sit in their pajamas at home and switch, flip, flip a switch to help out in an emergency. It's just so much easier to do the latter and um, uh, flexibility. So if you have that kind of flexibility plus allowing people to swap um, you know, shifts, which is something that had become more popular even in an in, in, in office environment, uh, and uh, just a lot of communication between managers and agents. You can come up with those um, at-home flexibilities that can make life easier and make it more pleasant as well. Yeah, particularly with the with the the. Uh the continued development and technology of workforce management. Yeah. I mean, that it, that is getting more and more sophisticated. And, yeah. you know, which, which kind of then gets you into the one of the one of the other reasons why you're going to you lose people, whether they're at home or not, but mostly, period, and that's poor management behavior. Mm-hmm. I've been in call centers before where I was called in to consult, and <clears throat> when I go to consult in a call center, there's a couple of things I do every time, and, one of the first things I do is I go sit in the call center, and I watch and I listen. Now, there's always right. that one or two people that say, you know, if you're so great, why don't you get on the phone? And to which I point out to them, well, I'm happy to, but I bill out at $300 an hour. You tell me how I'm going to get paid, and I'll, you know, <laughs> and I'll do it. <laughs> but you know, but the, but the thing that I have seen happen so many times is poor management, where you know the, and, and it goes to the, you know, that how many times do you see the best person in a call center get kicked upstairs to be a manager, sales go down, and the manager gets yeah. fired, and you've lost your top guy. Well, it's because you didn't train them, and you didn't teach them on how to be a manager, that there, you know, there's, a, there's a, a certain level of professionalism that to manage particularly people in a call center, be it remote or not, that you have to have. You've, you know, there are just some skills that are required in management, and it goes to you know, that elusive, what does it take to be a good leader? I mean, yes. you know, there's... That, you know, the books are written on that. Every day there's a new, I see a new adage, I see a new something, whatever. To me, being a good leader is knowing how to shut up. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're right. You know, there's much listening. I, my my, uh, my daughter is uh, one of the very few deaf clinical psychology PhDs in the world. And oh, one God. of the things that I, I asked her the question how is it that a, that a, a deaf person, I mean, I, I realize that you're a very accomplished woman. I get that. But how did you do that? What was the, you know, how did you accomplish that when you can't hear? And her answer was really, like, mind-blowing, simple. I'm a good, I'm a good listener. You don't need mm. to hear anything to be a good listener. And San Rogan, you know, uh, it, a lot of, that put a lot of things in place for me. Wow. Wow. That's, that's something. Good for her. Hats off! Congratulations. Yeah, she's a smart girl, but it, she's also a great teacher. And that was one of those things that I thought, well, I, 
you know, here I am, the father of a deaf PhD, and I couldn't figure that out myself. <laughs> so obviously she's smarter than her dad. The other, well, one of the you, other things I, I want to make sure that we talk about because it, you know, it, it always comes up, and that's the compensation. Interestingly enough, what we have found is that uh, um, compensation actually lines up as as the fourth reason people leave, not the first, not the second, not the third. It's the fourth, mm-hmm. and you know you got to make sure that you're paying you know a fair wage. And if you're going to save money by using remote agents, then why not share it with them? Why not pay them more? I, I'm a big believer in paying people more, particularly a job that's as hard as in a call center. There's nothing simple, nothing easy in a call center. One of the best things that could happen in a call center is is the omni-channel opportunities right now where one agent can take phone calls, answer emails, do a click-to-chat, and so the more variables that you can give them in their work day, the better off you are yeah. be, be, because, it, you know, it, it does give them some career pathing. It does give them some variety versus you know that when, if you're making an outbound sales presentation and you're calling, you know, you're, you're, the, your dialer is hitting 60 people an hour, 70 people an hour, and you're doing 40 mm-hmm. presentations and you get 35 no's. Well, mm-hmm. it's no wonder they smoke and drink. I mean, that's a lot of rejection in, in an hour and then yeah. in a day and then in a week and then in a month. So vary what, the, what you have them doing. Give them other opportunities. And, again, gamify. I'm a real believer in gamification, Bruce. Can you tell? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's a great thing. And along with uh, something you, you touched on earlier, which is training, because, uh, you know, in terms of that elusive leadership thing you, you mentioned, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it may be, it's, it's something that can be taught, at least up to a point, to a point where somebody can be successful as a supervisor, successful as a call center manager. And, uh, unfortunately, still what we see happening all the time is that people will get promoted because they're good at the jobs that they're in, and somehow somebody who's a really good agent is supposed to become a, a good supervisor simply because you give them the title. And that doesn't work. And one of the things that we saw during the massive shift over to at-home uh, environment during the pandemic was that the demand for our on-demand courses, including for supervisors, coaches, managers, etc., cetera, uh, really went up. And that's because people realized, okay, I can't give that these people training in the office anymore uh and maybe i wasn't even doing it when you know when before the pandemic but i know now that i can't have people home and just uh, assume that they're going to know how to be good supervisors how they're going to be good leaders they need some some uh training in doing that and uh you know i think that's just so important to put into the mix so that uh, the people that were counting on to be the linchpins, be the cornerstones of the uh, call center in terms of leading it and, uh, uh, you know, giving counsel and coaching to, to agents and, and others is, is really covered well. Well, training the agents uh, is equally, you know, I mean, the, 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 the typically we look at our call center technology and the call center technology people will tell you, um, these are the key performance indicators that you always want to track. Mm-hmm. And those key performance indicators are things like average talk time, um, 
um, you know, how often you showed up. Um, you, you know, the things that the things that a that a machine can track. Right. So we, you know, one of the one of the things that we throw into that mix, and I will say too that our competitors throw into the mix, is a whole mm-hmm. different set of key performance indicators. And those key mm-hmm. performance indicators are coming from the voice of the customer. And so right. if the voice of the customer says to me, uh, through, through, my, through my surveying, my post-call surveying, um, my call was not resolved. My issue was not resolved. But in that contact center technology, the, the disposition code says resolved, and that's what that agent hits, resolved. There's a disconnect here, an automatic disconnect. And so I want to know from that customer what was not resolved, why wasn't it resolved. Was it a lack of knowledge? Was it a lack of initiative? Was it a lack of? And so there's a whole different set of key performance indicators that should be measured and applied to the existing call center technology KPIs. A good example of that is the one that I believe it was Gartner came up with, and we it gets asked in every one of our surveys, and that is the customer effort score. How easy or hard was it to do business with Bob Kobach? Well, mm-hmm. if my score on a seven-point scale, I'm consistently showing a three, that tells me I'm making it hard for people to do business with my company, which then also right. tells me that that's a loyalty factor and they're not coming back. So I need yeah. to go talk to Bob and find out why is he making it so hard. Yes. But it gives me a specific place to train on. It gives me a specific area of need, and it will probably lower my my uh, turnover. All of those so, things, all those good things can happen. That's that's great. Well, we're at the bottom of our hour, uh, half hour at this point. So unfortunately, we're going to have to close it there. But this has been great. You and I could, you know, talk for hours, as we both know. But, well, what's uh, cool, Bruce, is a, that we have. <laughs> what's that? Yes, that's what we have actually. <laughs> <laughs> we have. You talk it all yeah. up, and we have. Well, I'm a, so, I, you know what? I'm a real fan of benchmark portals, and so, I, you know, I, any time I can throw, throw my hat in the ring with you, I will. Uh, same way, same the other way. I feel the same way about you and you guys, so uh, thank you very much for that. And what we'll do now is we'll turn things over to Alan, uh, but thank you very, very much, Bob, for once again uh, sharing your insights with us. Uh, really uh, good session. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Bruce. Okay. Thanks again to both of you guys for your insights. Another great show. We hope you can join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archived shows on Hot Topics at BenchmarkPortal.com. Then click on Call Talk where you'll find over 12 seasons from all of us at Benchmark Portal. Keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. Stay safe and stay healthy. This is Alan Potcotter signing out. Have a good one.